Hi, friends. It's Aislinn. And Joe. Welcome to season three at our dinner table. And nothing is off limits at our nope. dinner table. So settle in, mm. grab your favorite beverage. And pull up a chair. Because we have a lot to talk about. You can often know whether someone is going to be able to hear you or not. Like I... Before you even start to respond to somebody, you can know whether someone can handle you saying, well, I don't feel like it's the worst day ever. So in the past, when I've said that moving is the worst thing in the world, mm -hmm. I mean, clearly there's pediatric cancer. I mean, there are worse things in the world than moving, but something about the, the workflow that is moving. Mm -hmm. And when you pick up some item that you've held on to for decades, mm -hmm. And the situation that we're in is that the square footage that we're moving into is smaller. We can't, we just can't take everything that we own, but then you don't want to take this item that you've well, held on for that, a decade. This house we live in has got piles of garbage in it that nobody just took to the garbage. Well, but even the parts that aren't piles of garbage, like a DVD collection or a book collection. Yeah, sure. Okay. Here's one, a piece of child's art. I picked the very favorite ones that had the greatest, strongest memories. And those are the ones that go with me. How many are you keeping from your kids? Well, just a few. And most of mine are like little like pieces of pottery or sculpture or something like that. The two trees our baby girls painted with each other. Yeah. The very difference between age and just where they were and all of that. That's going with us because okay. it has a very, very important story. I thought you were leaving that behind because you hadn't packed but it. But that paper mache yellow egg. and red egg thing that she probably <laughs> made at church camp that nobody freaking cares about. I like, think that was made around a balloon and they popped the balloon after the yeah. paper mache. Yeah. I think I made one of those when I was her age. Yeah. That one's a goner. <laughs> Right? But this would be a fun podcast. We can go around the room. Yeah. What do you think about the well, peas on our what, poster? Most of what's left on the walls right now is not going with I, us. Yeah. Speaking of which, I am really glad to have you guys here at the dinner table. Let's get going on this because as you all know, we are now into season three. Da, 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 da. Welcome to the dinner table. And as we said last week, we're in it. We are moving right now. Yep. The fact of the matter is the freaking dinner table, we haven't sat at it because mm -hmm. it's covered in stuff. Yep. And we're moving everything around and everybody's in flux right now. You've also started going out to the farms in the evenings. It's and it's putting it's blazing. Understood. Hot. No, I mean, the, the reasons make sense, but it is a strange transitory time. You're out at the farm doing the work you need to do finding the most comfortable time of day to do it. And that happens to be in the evening. Now, when we live out there, all of that can shift to a more, not even back to normal because I mean, what is going to be normal? I don't know. It's going to be fun to figure it out as we go. Well, the new normal, duh. I don't know. We're in a very weird transitional state and it's not just us. I've heard a lot of people say to me in the recent months and weeks, including you, things like, ugh, so horrible moving ugh, and all of the other things like that my brain just doesn't think like that anymore i don't immediately walk outside and go it's so hot out here i just well, don't for one thing that doesn't solve any problem well it's not even about not solving the problem it's like why would i do that to myself you know why would i make it the most horrible thing i mean moves transitions this entire planet is in a very transitional stage sure. right now. Yeah. There isn't a single person that wouldn't tell you we're in transition and we don't exactly know what we're going to be doing tomorrow. Right. 
I don't want that to be more difficult than it already will likely be. Sure. So I'm going to make it as easy on myself as possible. Right. I'm going to find all of the near misses of, whew, I can tell you one thing. The universe was taking care of me on that one. And also the joy that comes with a new adventure ahead of us. Oh, yeah. The joy that comes with the privilege of having two homes where we can slowly move, mm -hmm. get rid of the garbage we no longer want. I mean, you know, there's so many blessings of gratitude and awesomeness that are coming for us during this time of move where guess what I get to focus on during the time that the rest of the world is on fire, crashing, blowing up, dying, all of the other things that are going on because I really don't pay that much attention to it. I got to be honest with you because I've got something else to pay attention to. And that is I am literally moving and building new gardens and moving my life to the next phase of whatever is going to come. And do I know what's coming? No, I don't. But that's okay, because this is what's happening today, and I'm enjoying it. There are some challenges. There are some things that could be easier. There are some things I could make a lot easier on myself. But currently, I'm talking to my friends at the dinner table, and that's a lot of fun. One family that are sharing their story about the transition they're making in September of 2021. Aren't we lucky to get to have the ability to share that with a public in every move, though, I do recall the excitement of waking up after the first night that you've stayed there. And I'm really looking forward to that. The coffee pot will be where it's supposed to be. I just got to take my daughter to school. What's that going to look like? You're absolutely right. The sense of adventure is something to keep when you're going through a transition that, eh, in times past, you might have said, that's the worst thing ever. Questions. It's official. What's that? We got a contribution of disagreement. Mm, you asked for that last from week. From a fellow listener. Sure. And interestingly enough, her great disagreement was about pumpkin spice lattes. <laughs> People love pumpkin spice lattes. I, I don't go to Starbucks, but I do drive past a couple of Starbucks. And I know when the line is super long around this time, they must have just introduced pumpkin spice lattes. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I, I love that Sandy is such a great listener um, and she's fun and she played. I mean, literally, she played the game last week. She listened to the podcast. She heard us talk about our audience having three choices to make. She heard something that she did disagree with and then she engaged with us. And that's the fun of it, you guys. So let's do more of that. Thanks, Sandy. We love you. The, the unanswered question is what exactly is in pumpkin pie spice mix? Whenever you go to the grocery store and buy the brand of spice mix, there's only five ingredients. Cinnamon, ginger, nutmeg, allspice, and soul-fighting agents. Soul-fighting agents? Now, hold on. I'm not uh, saying soul-fighting. Uh, soul-fighting. That made me think of a TikTok I saw the other day, and Sandy will get a kick out of this as well. It was a woman who was saying that witches... Mm -hmm were deterred by the pumpkin spice mix blend that oh? you've talked about. How'd that work? And so that if anyone complains about the pumpkin spice, then we should start a rumor that they're a witch and burn them at the stake. <laughs> soul fights. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That was a soul fight. <laughs> now, I also looked up how to do it at home, and they same thing. Three parts cinnamon, two parts ginger, two parts nutmeg, one part allspice, but then they add one part clove. 
You don't like pumpkin pie? I do like pumpkin pie. Okay. I like pumpkin spice. Yeah. I like those spice blends. I like You just don't eat it in everything. I have a tendency about me to turn away from things that are trendy. You like whatever you want, and that's perfectly fine. But when I'm making, when we're making pumpkin flavored things and sweet potato flavored things and winter squash flavored things, I would also like some savory flavors. That's why I'm hosting that event in a few weeks, the Long Lunch Club, uh-huh. where we're going to learn some different ways to use some winter squash. I don't know. There might be some pumpkin spice flavoring in our paleo ice cream. One year ago today. Time What are we doing here? What are we That's doing the thing here? about seasonality. One year here? ago today was the season premiere of season two. There was one large segment that was really exciting in your life last year. A upcoming, it's already happened, of course, TEDx event that you were writing a speech for. That came to me. That just, the title came to me before the speech came to me. My Garden is a Sanctuary? Yes. And the concept was me kind of beginning to try to explain the healing that has happened for me that started in the garden. Throughout season two, I talk a lot about the healing phases that I go through. Mm -hmm. Now, as we enter season three, as we move to the farm, and as I've begun really thinking about where is my business going? What is it that can benefit me, you, us, yeah, and my entire community right. the most? Because that's that's the that's way you where roll. I come from. That's the way you roll. That's the way you've rolled for center. as long as I've known you. It's, it's but it's all of that. It's me, right? You, right? Us, right? And to give credit where credit is due, that term for me, for you, for us came out of the mouth of Melanie Ann Lair. Mm-hmm. And I've been following her, I mean, almost religiously, as religiously as Aislinn follows or does anything. And she has taught me what I probably already embodied, as you said, but how to put it into words, how to bring it down and explain it. And when you think about for me, for you, for us, about everything you do, it's very easy to be grateful and to embody the successes of Yourself, the person sitting across from you or the person you're looking at or the person you're talking to, and everyone. Mm -hmm. It makes the success of someone else not become something that you can go, well, look what she did. Or, yes, her daddy did that for her. Or whatever the thing is that we often do. Mm -hmm. Not to say that women do it more than men, because I promise you we don't. Then that gives me the, ah, yeah, sister. (laughs) Just like that. Uh Oh, yeah, sister. If only only people were sitting here, they could see the hand motion. (laughs) You are a badass, and thank you for doing that for us. For me, for you, for us, right? Okay, so if you go back to where that kind of culmination of my garden as a sanctuary came from, it was me beginning to ground into this concept that I have this very, very good ability to hold space for healing wellness and inspiring abundance yeah and so therefore any garden or any piece of land or for that matter anywhere i am is me creating my garden that is a sanctuary and one of the things that i see happening as i move forward onto the farm in a space that i have available to turn into a grand sanctuary yeah 
is to hold space for others to heal and to hold space for wellness and to inspire by sharing abundance. Have you visioned out what that looks like? Some. I mean, you know me well enough to know that I my spaces evolve based on what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So I try a plant out there and that plant doesn't like that space. And granted, I've got two decades of experience with where a plant might want to go. So that gives me a little bit of a edge in the game on somebody that's just going, oh, crap, I keep putting things places and everything keeps dying, right? So I'm going to start putting the play things where I know. But at the same time, there still are going to be catastrophic weather events sure, and yeah. changes in life, you know, all of the things that come with that. So in terms of the physicalities of it, I see some things and I've already started some things. Oh, sure. I mean... My irrigated garden that's actually like pretty far away from the house is already a sanctuary. Well, let me take a moment to put some context to it. I think this is important foundationally as we move forward and talk about the farm. 10 acres, your parents' home adjacent to it, nice distance away, some privacy, but also some community, our home. Right. Around it, a blank canvas. But you have already created, as we've talked about so many times, two separate larger gardens. I guess... As we move forward, you could call one of them the irrigated garden because your dad put in a fantastic self-watering irrigation system. Yeah, he literally custom built and designed an irrigation system around one of my gardens. Mm -hmm. Because of that, it has stayed well. Sure. On the days where you couldn't get out there to water, it's going to get the water that it needs. Right. Then you have on the opposite side of the front area, the unirrigated garden, which looks a lot like... Your backyard gardens, but magnified by, I don't know, 50. Mm-hmm. Permaculture. Biodiversity. Thank you. And while they're young. Life. Life is really important. And all of that, if you, if you understand what permaculture means, mm-hmm. you understand all of that. You don't sure. have to add all those other words to it. But what I've been doing over the last year, along with getting some production out of the garden because right. I'm spending money on it and I need to make some money and we want to eat some good food. So... In the midst of that, what I have been doing for the last 12 months has been creating life in spaces so that the life was already there when I got there and then I can begin contributing more life to it. And so you're going to see the continuation of those spaces developing. It's not a blank, blank canvas. My parents have been out there for almost a decade now. No, I'm talking immediately next to our home. It's, it's, it's pretty, grass. it's pretty, bl- yeah, right. it's pretty blank canvas. And fences are about to go up that will denote a backyard where that does not currently right. exist. And we've got a back porch and a front porch and a side porch and a west porch and an east porch. I mean, there's, yes. por- there's no shortage of porches. Right. And outside of those porches, I know that we're going to want beautiful views like we currently have when we look out our back window of this home. Yes. All of that will be a matter of me continuing to sit and hold space for what wants to develop there. That's what happened here too. Once we built the infrastructure, the fences and the walls. Fire pit. Then I start working from there. So it's going to evolve as always it does with me. There is a production purpose going on there. I am helping me, you, us create food, affordable, nutrient dense accessibility to food. That is happening. But even bigger than that, is in these same spaces, where is there room for me, for you, for us to heal, to create additional abundance, to really inspire like, God, more things just take off here because we're in it and we're being a part of it and we're sharing with the community in our 
podcasts and YouTube videos and all the things, Patreon, this and that, and a farm classes stand someday, and farm like stands physical and sharing. long lunch clubs and farm to table dinners. Mm-hmm. And I have a new thing coming up that I'm calling weed therapy. Let's get together. I talk about the modalities that I've learned for healing and together we get down in the dirt. We get present in the moment and you help me out by pulling out some weeds and learning about gardening. And we kind of just share the experience of being together. But there's a specific silent space for everyone. Me, you, us walk away from that inspired, well, and healing or healed. And that's the goal. But the thing about it is, is that when you created a space that attracts love and light and peace and harmony that spurs my ability to pull out new modalities new ways to teach people how to cope with the crap going on i know i know and this is not to scare anybody but i know that over the next five years we're going to be looking for a billion different ways to heal and to feel better Because there's going to be a lot of change going on. And I think that some of us got a head start on some of that stuff. They were maybe looking that way prior to some of this catastrophe that's hit us recently. But that's my point. I think if the universe loves and is graceful, as I believe that it is and does, then they're going to have dropped some breadcrumbs to some humans that can help guide. You came back the other night from a friend's house where you'd had a conversation with her. And she asked you, how do you know these things? Where do I look to find, was there a book? Is there a way for me to tap into the things that I hear you saying? Mm -hmm. And the only answer I could give her really was that it comes from my gut. But also, I have a lot of experience with pain and healing. You do have a head start. I trust my gut. And I don't believe that I can exclude that there are just some people that were put here to deal with certain types of things at certain timing in order to help the greater good. One of the decoding, one of the healing that I've done for myself is to release this concept that having a godlike complex makes me crazy because it doesn't. It makes me connected. And it means that I can help other people. The kitchen isn't packed. Moving over the Instant Pot and the blender and the cast iron and the I expect that we do that the weekend before we go and then everything's out there when we're we're out there. I'm so looking forward to cooking a meal in that house for the very first time. And that meal is going to be a curry. I want to read to you a recipe from 1747, a book entitled The Art of Cookery by Hannah Glass. How to make a curry the India way. Take two fowls or rabbits, cut them into small pieces, add three or four small onions peeled and cut very small, 30 peppercorns, and I love the specificity there, not 29, not 31, and a large spoonful of rice. Brown some coriander seeds over the fire in a clean shovel and beat them to powder. Take a teaspoon of salt, mix it all well together with the meat, put it all into a saucepan and with a pint of water, let it boil till the meat is enough. I guess that means until it's done to how you want it. Then put in a piece of fresh butter about as big as a large walnut. You are to observe the sauce must be pretty thick. Dish it up and send it to the table. If the sauce be too thick, add a little more water before it is done and more salt if it wants it. What's not in here is the word curry as an ingredient. Yes. Curry 
is a generic word used in Anglo-Indian and English cuisine for dishes with a sauce seasoned with spices. Mm -hmm. Now, where I've always been... Gravy. Exactly. And where I've always been confused is there is a curry plant, a curry tree. And in India, I've learned, that's where they're more likely to use the spice of the curry plant. But a curry plant, Aislinn, does not make a curry. Also, there's a difference between a curry tree and a curry plant, by the way. Oh, God. You're going to make this more complicated. A curry, again, is a sauce seasoned with spices. Now, I'm, I got Curry my... spice comes off the curry tree. So I just pulled the curry powder out of our spice rack, and let me read you the ingredients. Coriander, fenugreek, turmeric, red pepper, and organic onion. No curry in the curry powder. Mm-hmm. It's a blend of spices that have commonly become used as curry, like a garam masala. Mm-hmm. I just pulled out of our refrigerator some Thai red curry paste. I'll read you the ingredients. Red chili pepper, garlic, lemongrass, salt, shallot, coriander root, and kefir lime peel. Nowhere in the curry paste is curry plant or curry tree. That's always been a point of confusion for me. I always thought that a curry included a curry spice. And it does, except it's not curry. Are you confused yet? No. But that's because I already understood the curry plant, curry tree. There are many varieties of dishes called curries. In original traditional cuisines, the precise selection of spices for each dish is a matter of national or regional cultural tradition, religious practice, and preference of the chef. Yeah, that's the reason why whenever you said I'm going to do a curry challenge, I was like, oh, that's a big challenge. I mean, that's like... That's everything. That's everything. Because I've got photos here of curries from India, Japan, uh-huh. Philippines, Thai. Uh-huh. Now, you and I love Thai food, right? It's probably in our top two or three when we're looking for a place to eat and everything everybody can agree on. Yeah. At our favorite local Thai place... Our favorite dish is yellow curry, as opposed to a I green curry. I order the punning curry. I don't order the yellow curry. That's okay. not my favorite. Okay. My favorite's the punning curry. I think me and your daughter share that, though. Our favorite's the yellow. Now, uh-huh. that's just a spice blend that falls yellow, as opposed right. to the green or the red yeah. or whatever. So as we move forward in the curry, I think this could last all season. I think so, too. However... I know that we're going to probably get tired of, uh uh-oh, it's another curry night. The way that I've recently learned just how tired you are of stir-fry night. Listeners know how I feel about stir-fry. So how did you just now figure it out? No, I'm talking about the depths of revulsion. (laughs) Stop making stir-fry. I might be exaggerating just a little bit. (laughs) This week has just been an odd week. You're not bringing home much stuff, and the stuff you're bringing home is very limited to what did you call it last week? The storage vegetables and then okra. Storage but I vegetables. harvested some Brussels sprouts, so we've got some Brussels sprouts. But the fact of the matter is, is that there's not been a lot of easygoing cooking adventures in our house this week. No. <laughs> did make some French fries last night with the potatoes, your potatoes, but you're right. You did make French fries and they were good. That's a double fry technique. Mm. Also, you actually did a little adventure. You used ground lamb instead of ground beef to make the burgers last night. If you have to make a choice, always do something exciting. I did do the thing where at the end of the burger eating, I said to my daughter, what did you think of the burger? She said, it was very good. I said, ah, you ate lamb. She goes, I knew that wouldn't beef. (laughs) That's funny. Kind of everywhere I'm at now, anybody I'm talking to, and of course my bubble is my bubble, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot, a lot, a lot of conversations about people saying things like, I don't know. 
I'm just feeling like I need to eat more vegetables or (laughs) I'm just feeling like I need to do so. What I've been doing isn't working. Yeah. Okay. Of course you could say, well, yeah, of course there's like a whole thing going on. But at the same time, there's a feeling that comes over your body. And if you can even remotely listen to what your body is saying to you, then your body will start requesting things. And if you're listening, you can hear what your body's requesting. So when you've been asking me about, well, what do you want to cook tonight? My body is requesting more vegetables right now. Right. And that's a challenge in the summertime, weirdly enough, because of the fact that most of the vegetables we have available are all storage vegetables. Right. For us here in the South. Mm -hmm. Now, in other places, that's not the case. You guys have lots of fresh greens and all the good stuff going on up there. But for us... It's those hearty storage vegetables that you use in the wintertime for your stews and your gravies and your blah, blah, blahs. And I'm like, could we get some lettuce, please? (laughs) I need some lettuce. My little body's like, please, please, please. Would you drink some more water, please? You say your favorite thing is Penang curry at our local restaurant? Yes. Coming next week. Can I have a salad to go with that, please? Of course. (laughs) It's been a rough week in our house in our relationship. Part of my healing is understanding that nothing, nothing occurs in my world that I didn't allow to occur in my world, that I didn't make space for, that I didn't put myself in the place where it could occur. So when something I feel happens, not only am I having to face the pain body that I haven't healed necessarily yet of whatever the thing is that And we'll talk about that in a second. But whatever the thing is, I have to face the pain body and I'm learning because this this is all new to me. I'm learning how to feel the pain. The pain's okay. It's also okay to let go of the pain, right? But then also to recognize that someone else didn't cause me that pain. I didn't just, I can't just push it off on someone else or, and I can't just turn away from it. So I've got to recognize what is it about me that is creating that type of thing in my space. So that's what my week has been about, in all honesty. Mm -hmm. And when we talked about my garden as a sanctuary and having a backyard sanctuary, it very well occurs to me that what happened where we've been calling it a divergence in connection between the two of us, a divergence in communication between the two of us, is that a sanctuary of mine was violated Mm-hmm. And when that occurred, I realized that I had to look at everything that was happening around me to understand why I feel the way I feel about it. And then my ego, my mind, has to create whose fault it was and how do I keep it from happening again, which is looking at the past and the future rather than focusing on the, the now moment of what happened because there isn't anything that's happening right now in today's world. There isn't a single thing, certainly not in my bubble, that's happening that isn't there for a reason and is a learning opportunity. Yeah, it's up to us to figure out what those reasons might be, dig into them, find out how I can improve from them. But being in the present moment has come to my attention in the recent past in such a way that I understand that that's where I have to be to hold space for everything that I desire in life. And for me, for you, for us, is to hold space in the present moment. So the book came to me in 2010, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. 
And it resonated, Mm -hmm. but it did not resonate the same way it's resonating now. Sure. But part of that is I knew that I needed to go back to it again. Mm -hmm. And I brought it out on purpose. And the timing of it coming out, the timing of the move, the timing of what I will call the violation of my sanctuary, the timing of how it intersects with our relationship, the timing of some of the conversations we've had this week, and each moment that I pulled it back open again to listen... And exactly what that moment in that timing was talking about says to me, focusing on the present moment and the now is exactly, exactly, exactly where I'm supposed to be. Okay. So what's the story? Where did the divergence begin? I've traveled to San Antonio with my mother for my a dental appointment. Right. A big day because mm-hmm. I have teeth now. Yeah. I mean, and it's temporary still, but I have teeth now. Yeah. But in order to get that to happen, they had to drill down Not the implanted teeth, but the other six teeth that they're aesthetically creating. Right. Anyone that's ever had any major work done in their mouth, I was half numb and my brain was swollen. Yeah. And and I'd stayed upside down in a chair for four hours with my mouth wide open. That experience is enough for one day. And my mom and I go to do this together and we're having a really, really nice day and we go to eat Indian food and I'm about two bites into my plate of food that I've just gotten and I'm hungry real hungry. And I get a phone call on FaceTime and I look over and I see it's the name of my neighbor. Across the street neighbor. Yeah. And everything in me said, stop everything you're doing right now and answer that call. And I don't do that when it's a Facebook call. Mm -hmm. If it's a phone call, that's different, but this was a Facebook call. And when it's a Facebook call, like I'll just half the time, I'll assume it's just a fucking butt dial. But the neighbor's calling, something's going on. So she says in the kindest voice, Aislinn, I'm really sorry to bother you, but there are two pit bulls in your backyard. And my husband is back there with a board. Yeah. And I immediately went, all the chickens are out. Oh, I'm in San Antonio. Oh, oh, please. I, can you please stay there? Please. I will call you right back. I've got to call Joe. Right. I'm in town. Joe. Get to the house. Get to the house. Now our neighbor is in the backyard with a two by four pit bulls. And our chickens are out. His wife is calling almost in tears. Yeah. Go now. Right. And my mom is like, <gasps> trying not to panic over there. Uh-huh. And I'm just breathing. And this is painful. And I'm scared to shit. But it's also just chickens. And from my point of view, real quick, how the f*** does any of this make sense? The, the, the sentence you're saying doesn't make sense. There's two pit bulls in our backyard. And how did that happen? And Well, we live in the city. It makes perfect sense to me. Okay. We live in a city where... Pit bulls get out. And when they're in twos, they cause rampages. They, they do. We saw it. <laughs> Sorry to offend anyone who owns pit bulls. We're not talking badly about pit bulls. That's a, I think that's a very fair point. These are pit bulls that may not have been as monitored as closely as they needed to have been. Yeah. Then I get a call back from her. And now she's in tears. And she goes, Aislinn, I have your little dog. And he's really scared. Please get Joe here quick. And at that point, the husband had already found two dead chickens. Yes. And at this point, I am freaking out, y'all. Because you know, our dog is not a dog. (laughs) He should not have even been in the backyard. And every flame in all of my sense of safety and security was crushed in that moment. My safety and my security and my trust was violated. And I've spent the week trying to figure out why I let that happen to myself. 
So then you call me and you give me that information. And I think I was literally around the corner from the house at that point. I pull up, the neighbors come up with Kaishen in hand, but the dog being left out was a hundred percent on me. I let the dog out and then something happened. I can't even remember what it was. It didn't matter. I was distracted by a phone call or something. And I did not bring the dog back in to put him away. He weighs five pounds. And at that moment, it was like, I know that everything's okay. They have the dog. The dog's not harmed. But, oh my God, could that have been a catastrophe? I text you, I'm home. Let me solve. And then I'll call you back. He's fine. The neighbor has gotten all of the chickens that he could find into a safe place in the backyard. There's just two dogs back there. He also said that he saw these dogs charge a mailman and charge some neighbors before they got into our backyard. So he's already called the police. So he and I go into the backyard, open a side gate, and get the dogs out, and they immediately run underneath our house. Then I start assessing what the chicken damage is. We had eight chickens. He had found two dead ones. I get the dead ones. I've got those in my hand. I'm carrying them out to the front yard right when the cops show up. The cops run toward me thinking that pit bulls loose. There's two dead animals. What the hell's going on back there? I explained to them that I'd already let them out and they're under our house. They call animal control. I lay the two chickens to the side and then he and I start hunting for the other chickens. I got to find six. I immediately find four and there are two missing, but there's no sign that there's no feathers or any kind of show that they had been damaged and carried off. My immediate response when Joe then gets on the phone to let me know kind of where we are with the whole process now. Because now I'm like not able to eat my lunch. But I'm trying very hard to just stay. Everything's going to be okay. It's not going to be the worst. It's going to be fine. And the dog is fine. Well, first of all, he says, I'm very, very, very sorry for... The dog. The dog. Forget the chickens and forget how the dogs got in. Because these are the dogs, if you go back and listen to when we had our second batch of chickens as chicks, one of these dogs got into our backyard and no one was killed, but caused a little bit of stir. So the idea that these dogs know that chickens are back there, we knew that already. So I asked you, well, which chickens were dead? And you told me their names. Okay, those are the older ones. And while they are my pets and I love them, I still have an understanding about chickens. And chickens get killed by things. And that's just what it is, especially backyard chickens, because they're trapped and they can't get out. But they were the older ladies and they were barely laying eggs anymore. So it wasn't like a production loss, right? It was just sad but then I asked who's still missing and he told me the two birds that were missing or at least one he told me one bird was missing and I said don't worry she'll come home she flies and you mentioned she'd made an escape before we've gone through that with her before yeah right one of the things I would say is also a blessing along with the many in that here's where I list eight billion blessings because I was trying to think of all of them in the midst of the moment I was thinking about where were the protections because I know, I know that there's universal protection going on. So where are the protections? Number one, my chick, my baby chickens had already been through an incident like this before. And I have created a sanctuary for them to be protected in. True that. Yeah. So they flew out. You and I walked around to the back neighbors to let them know, if you find a chicken in your backyard, here's our telephone number. Mm-hmm. One of them, at least one, flew somewhere. So if you see a chicken, it's ours. Yeah. And then the other parts of the blessings of all of that that I was beginning to see was, A, my neighbors happened to be outside paying attention that day to what was going on with this dog situation. Right. And because they were outside, they saved my dog from what could have been a much deeper, worse situation. Certainly. And I'm not going to create that in my mind, but I'm very, very, very grateful they were there to grab my dog. And I'm very, very, very grateful that 
I have created a sanctuary of safety that isn't a complete and total massacre when what happens in urban areas happens right. with my backyard chickens. Right. So dusk is coming, and I think we're outside to see if chickens come home. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, boop, here's one of them. And I, she hadn't flown. And uh, man, we had, I had searched. We had searched that backyard to any kind of place. But there she is, Barb's. Welcome home. And then here's Maleficent walking around in the front. Mm-hmm. Neighbors driving by, seeing chickens. Oh, it's one of those kinds of neighborhoods. Hell yeah, it is. <laughs> so we have to corral her. And now we got the six safe. You said that the first thing I did was just apologize profusely for the dog part. I still, because when you say your mind doesn't go there, my mind has gone there. That dog, who I love as much as you, even though he loves you more than me, is such a blessing to our home. I felt and feel horrible, horrible. But yeah, no, now I refocus into making sure that when the dog is 100% my responsibility, as it was that morning, you take 100% responsibility. I completely agree with that, and I think that for me, the bigger picture of it, and there's always going to be a bigger picture of it, is how do we move forward in a way that we both are moving forward in a way that the home and the garden and the sanctuary that we create for me, for you, for us is secure and safe. I know that a sense of safety and security is available to me. I know, and I know how important it is to you. And that there's only one person that can do that for me. You. That's correct. I mean, anyone listening, that's the only one person that, that can do that for them. Correct. But when I do it for me, mm-hmm. I do it for you and for us. Let's bring this episode home with our random question of the week. Now, we've been doing these Myers-Briggs questions that we started in season two, just kind of as a fun way of, you know, changing up the questions at the end of the podcast. Mm -hmm. So it would be strongly agree to strongly disagree and everything in between. Okay. I know the rules. (laughs) You usually prefer to be around others rather than on your own. In the past, I think I would have said strongly agree, but the older I get, or the more I change, or the more I think about it, or through the thing that we've gone through the last couple of years as a larger community, I'm moving more to the neutral to slightly disagree here. Being on my own is a comfortable place to be, a more comfortable place to be. And I'm curious about that. Like, what is it about that older attitude that I did subscribe to that I don't now? Yeah, I'm definitely neutral. I can go either way. I like to be around people when it's appropriate. I like to be by myself when it's appropriate. Meaning sometimes I need to be by myself and mm-hmm. sometimes I need to be around people. Sometimes I want to be around by myself. Sometimes I want to be around people. So These kinds of questions are about how you're assessing information out there. And one thing I know about you, and something I'd like to get better at, is that you, in the quiet solitude of being alone, have a mind that's more, that is receptive to that information in a way that I don't think I do. Not, no one's better or worse. It's just, that's how we're different, but. I'm a woman. You think it's masculine, feminine? Definitely. Hmm. I wonder if it is that general. It definitely is. So women would be more likely to answer this as a disagree where men might Oh, no, that, that's, that's not what that's I'm talking about. That's where I thought you about. were going. I was talking about what you were talking about, about having access in your solitude to 
That's more of a feminine trait. Absolutely. Oh, interesting. It is the it is the feminine. It's not about male. It's not about man woman. It's about male fem- female. People that embody the female more have access to intuition. Part of our spiritual makeup. For me, for you, for us. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. (laughs) 